Mavericks Week 4 podcast coming at you today. Connor Mullins alongside... Your boy Clark Sullivan. We're here with the Inside Source, and today we have a special guest. I want to introduce to you guys my brother, Griffin Sullivan. He is a senior at Abilene High School and one of the only other people in the world that I feel like is on my level in terms of Mavs fandom. Uh, You heard from Dennis Gartman last week from Dennis and Friends Pod. He's up there in that category, and Griffin is right there as well. Griffin, say what's up to the people. Hey, everybody. Uh, I'm happy to be here and talk about my favorite team, the Mavs. Uh, thanks for having me. So Let's just get straight into it. Toronto, Dallas last week. Dallas got the win, 111-110. Griffin, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on the Mavs win as Luka puts up 35 and plus 8 in the box? Uh, I think this is a great win. Um, something that I noticed in this game is just that the Raptors roster is full of really long guys. Like, they all have... I mean, seven-foot wingspans, it seems like they play probably four or sometimes even five forwards on the court at one time, which is really interesting. Mm. Um, but it came right down to the wire, um, and the Mavs the Mavs executed pretty well in the clutch to pull this one out. It's a good win. Yeah, definitely. I think that uh, that's an interesting point about the Raptors roster. They've been crushed. They had been crushing it up to that point. Uh, coming off of a 43-point win against we were really nervous. San Antonio. We were nervous. Yeah, we talked about it. It was uh, right before. Uh, I think incredible game from OG. He's been playing really well. He's one of like the top three defensive player of the year candidates, which is great for him. Uh, we were able to shut down Pascal Siakam a little bit, uh, which is good. But, yeah, another another really solid Really solid performance from Luca. Honestly, ten for fifteen from the field. One of his better three-point shooting nights, shooting three for six and twelve for fourteen from the free throw line. Uh, it's a really solid performance overall. So this was this was kind of at, at the peak for me. I loved that performance from him. I agree. And one of the things that stood out to me was Bullock again playing terrible. <laughs> one seven zero oh for five oh for from three. Five. Two points. Still plus twelve in the box, but. To me, that doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You got to score, and we'll talk about some other things about him later. He's just not been playing well <laughs> this year. Moving on, yeah, to the Nets. Mavericks pull out the win, ninety six ninety four. Close game. We knew there was a lot of things going on with the Nets coming into that game, and there still is. Mavericks pull out that win. Yeah, I would love to. I I loved that game, honestly. It was one of the more gritty Mavs wins, um, but I watched all 48 minutes. for Or no, I didn't. I watched most of the 48 minutes. Liar. And Yeah, I know. I'm a liar. Uh, I was watching the ACU men's home opener. So, um, so was I. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was a gritty win. I loved it, honestly. I didn't feel like we played very badly throughout that game. Uh, it was just more of a defensive-minded game. We hold Kevin Durant to 26 points, and... The best part of the game for me, KD misses the clutch free throw um, that would have tied up the game, and we pull out the win. Really happy with that. Griffin, what do you think? Uh, Yeah, I thought it was shocking uh, when Kevin Durant missed that free throw because he had made, I think it was 60-plus free throws in a row up until that one. Crazy. I was just cringing whenever we fouled him on the three instead of fouling (laughs) before he got into his shot. Because that yeah. was very poor defensive execution, but he kind of bailed us out on that one. Uh, and the other thing that stood out to me about that game was just Josh Green. I mean, mm-hmm. he—I think that was kind of a breakout game for him. 16 points, uh, and it looks like yeah, two for five two. Five for five off the bench. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two for two on three pointers, mm-hmm. which is very impressive. He's, uh, I think I heard Dorian Finney Smith joking about him being the best three point shooter in the league because he has the highest percentage <laughs> this season. So that's that was amazing to watch. He just brings a lot of energy to the team. Yeah, he's been great this season. We'll talk about his performance to this point here in a little while. Yesterday, Magic beat the Mavericks 94 87. In Orlando, the game got moved up to 430 because of the hurricane going the hurricane, on yeah. down in Florida. Griffin, thoughts on this loss? Uh, it is, it's disappointing. I mean, I did not get to watch much of it, but then when I did watch in the fourth quarter, the offense was just non-existent. Yeah. Um, pretty bad performance from Luca. really the first one all season. Um, Shows how much we rely on him. Exactly, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, he, ma- he missed 20 shots, which is just... <sighs> That's that's not a recipe for success <laughs> right there. Um, and we held them to 94 points, so not too bad defensively, but uh, the offense was really bad yesterday. Yeah, I I think that uh, if you've been if you've been keeping up with us, this is episode four. If you've been keeping up with the first three episodes, I keep saying um, the Mavs need Luca to play well to win, and this is that this is an example of that not working out. It's kind of the first time that that's happened this season. But nine for 29 from the field. Two for eleven from the three-point line. He just couldn't get it going. Spencer Dinwiddie is the guy is the only reason that we were even in that game. So just um, I don't really think that there's even much to say except for just Luca played poorly and we suffered the consequences. And they beat us without Ben Caro, Jamal Mosley, former Mavs assistant, gets the win, which that might be his first time beating the Mavericks in Orlando. It probably is. Probably. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd have to do my some research yeah. to really find out, but. Yeah. Anyway, Mavericks getting the loss. Disappointing loss once again. After the break, we'll come back with some Lucas stats and some Josh Green performance and some general stuff around the league and some stuff going on with the Nets as well. Luka is first in the NBA right now in points per game with 34.8. Obviously, he didn't play well yesterday. We'll see how he does tonight against the Wizards. Guys, what are your thoughts on Luka's historic season to this point? Is he an MVP candidate? He absolutely is. I think he's one of the front runners for MVP. Uh, he's the front runner. Yeah. At this point, yeah, I for agree. For sure. Yeah, I think something that I've noticed about Luka this season is he's just very aggressive. He's been getting into the paint. Uh, at a really high rate and and posting up a lot too, which is interesting. Whenever he can get a switch onto a smaller guard, uh, he uses his body, his size very well to uh, post up and score over those smaller defenders really well. And it's his best points per game, like points-wise, to this point in recent years. So he starts out 21 points a game, which is great as a rookie, 28, Mm -hmm. 27, 28, now 35. 35. I know we're 10 games in and we can't, overhype him a little too much absolutely but he's playing really well yeah and I think another important thing to note is the eight assists per game and uh the eight rebounds per game I mean he's sixth in the league in assists while averaging 35 points per game and he's averaging 8.2 rebounds per game which is puts him in the top 30 that's incredible I think that and he has the highest player offense player efficiency rating which is so great Plus, to me, averaging 50% from the field is really good for 35 points per game. That's impressive to me. 
not as good three-point shooting as we would like to see from him, but that's pretty normal. So I think he's absolutely the MVP front runner, and to me it's not really close unless uh, Giannis pulls it out. I agree. Talking about Josh Green now, he's had some really great performances to this point in the season. I think he's one of the highest rated in the box right now for the Mavericks, averaging six and a half points in year three. Playing really well, had 16 a couple games ago. Clark, I'll start with you on this one. Thoughts on Josh Green? Yeah, this point of the year? I mean, I, I'll say I repent. I repent. Last season and the season before, I was a Josh Green hater. Well, no, his rookie season, I wasn't. I expected him to play pretty poorly. He's a rookie. That's how it goes. I um, mean, you chose him over Sadiq Bey, but I'll get over it. I don't know that I ever will. I don't know that I ever will. Um, but, I, you know, last season, I was pretty disappointed with him. I kept throwing around, trade him, trade him, trade him. But he is proving me wrong this season. He's proving to be a really, really valuable role player coming off the bench. He knows his role. He passes the ball really well. He brings incredible energy for however long he's on the court. And Especially he's shooting, on defense. And he's shooting at a pretty high clip. This is this article is from a couple days ago, but CBS Sports is posting um, that – or no, not CBS Sports. This is uh, – oh, Sports Illustrated. They're posting that he, he was – leading the league with 66.7% from deep. Granted, it's only on 1.73 pointers attempted per game, but that's really high efficiency, and that's what the Mavs need, especially from their role players. Yeah, I think he's he's improved a lot. Uh, I remember last year in the playoffs that teams would just leave him wide open, and he lacked the confidence to shoot because he knew he wasn't going to make it, and that hurt us a lot, and uh, we really were not able to keep him on the floor much in the playoffs, but this year... He seems to have improved a lot on his shooting. And then the other big difference that I think he makes for our team is just the hustle plays. Um, he gets lots of lots of rebounds that I didn't think, that I never thought he would be able to get. Uh, he gets lots of steals. He's always, you know, running, running around, making the plays that it seems like nobody else is willing to make. So, yeah, I like what you were saying about the energy that he brings to the team. Mm-hmm. So playing really well, shooting 71% from the field, 58.8% from three after that game yesterday. We'll see if he continues. Moving on now to the Nets. We talked about this last week, how we thought he was going to hire Ime Yudoka from the Celtics. It turns out they're not. They're going to hire their interim, Jacques, Jacques Vaughn. Vaughn. Mm-hmm. And so he, that's the move for the Nets. Looks like it could be a good promotion for him. This says right here on ESPN, his basketball acumen, competitiveness, and intimate knowledge of our team and organization make him the clear-cut best person to lead our group moving forward to their GM. Mm -hmm. We'll see what happens for the Nets. Do you all like this hire? Initial thoughts. Yeah, I was Griffin and I were just watching a, a Woj video the other day kind of updating us on the, on the coaching change, on Kyrie's suspension, uh, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But I think that the two are really intimately woven. Um, I think it's a smart move from Brooklyn. Ima Udoka might have been the better basketball choice, but considering the culture that's surrounding this organization right now, considering all the drama that's happening, I think that the smart move is to hire from in-house somebody that they know and trust. He's been with the Nets, I think, seven seasons or something like that. He knows the organization. He knows the players. They're comfortable with him. And we've already seen a decent amount of improvement, I think, with Kyrie off the floor and in a coaching change. Things seem to be stabilizing a little bit. They may not be the best that they could possibly be, but I think it's smart for them right now. Yeah, I, d- I definitely think it's a safe hire for Brooklyn. Um, when I initially saw that they were pursuing Udoka from Boston, 
Uh, I did not think that that was a great decision because of all the controversy surrounding Udoka, because of his suspension that he's currently serving. Uh, it just seemed like that would have added even more drama and more controversy to an organization that really needs a sense of stability right now. So I think uh, Vaughn is a good hire for them. Talking about the Nets as well, Kyrie gets the suspension for his anti-Semitic comments made last week. We'll see how long that lasted. I don't even think it said how long he was out. What It's it? minimum five games. Minimum five games. They've hit the five games, but he's not going to be back. Yeah, he probably won't be back for a while. And some jokesters on Twitter saying today he was released, a fake Woj account. Anyway, do you all have any thoughts about this? I actually I want to hear what you think about this because uh, if we throw it back to last week's episode, Dennis made some really good points about the culture surrounding Brooklyn and about this particular issue. So, Connor, what do you, what do you think about this? Man, I think Kyrie's a guy that's always brought problems to the locker room, if I'm being completely honest. He's great on the court, but in the locker room, he's always been toxic. We've seen it in Cleveland. We've seen it here. We've seen it in Boston. He's just a problem wherever he goes. I think he's a great ball player, and I think he's earned a lot of respect to this point, no doubt. But it's just a matter of can you control yourself in the locker room and not say stupid things to the media. I mean, it's ridiculous that he even Mm -hmm. said that. And – I think he's serving his time as he should in Brooklyn. I, I don't know what's going to happen from here with him in Brooklyn, but we will see. I don't. I don't know how he recovers from this. I, I really don't. Yeah, I, I think that uh, Kyrie really he deserves all of the um, the flack that he's getting from the the comments that he's made and the way that he has acted in after after the initial response to it. I don't understand why he could not just own up to it, apologize, and and move on. It just seems very unnecessary that it's gotten to this point because it would have been so simple for him to admit his mistake and move on. He could still be on the court for the Nets right now. Absolutely. Bottom line, dude supported anti-Semitic content and then didn't apologize. He didn't and, apologize. That's the thing that makes me And most wouldn't upset. even say that he wasn't yeah. anti-Semitic. Like in his in this major press conference that he did, he was way too defensive and he wouldn't just come out and say i'm not anti-semitic they kept asking him the question and he kept deflecting so i think it's a fitting punishment i mean you see lebron tweeting today um that Kyrie doesn't deserve this that the the uh, the terms that he has to meet are too much jalen brown said sort of the same thing but i mean here's i'll read the terms real quick this is from shams apologize and condemn the movie should have done that already $500,000 donation to anti-hate causes, sensitivity training, anti-Semitic training, meet with Jewish leaders, meet with Josiah to demonstrate understanding. That's not hard. It's just social justice. It's just justice. It's just condemn what you did and let's turn around and move forward. Um, so, I, I mean, I think it's ridiculous that we're even still talking about this, but uh, considering it's Kyrie and considering and it's Brooklyn, I'm not surprised. Stuff. And I'm all the anti vax stuff as well. He's done this before. We'll see what happens with him. After the break, we're going to talk about how the Cavs are still playing really well and how the Jazz, Every week. <laughs> and how the Jazz are exceeding expectations. How Jordan Clarkson really needs to be a Maverick. Bucks are first in the power rankings right now for ESPN. The Cavs right behind them. 
at eight and two. This was a few days ago. Bucks are nine and one. Suns behind them, seven and three. Celtics, seven and three at number four. Jazz, nine and three. Right behind them at five. Clarkson's playing really well. And he's a starter this year. It really mm-hmm. hasn't had for a good while. Nuggets at six, Grizzlies at seven, Blazers at eight, and the Mavericks at nine. Thoughts on where the Mavericks are at right now? Uh, I think it's not bad. You know, top 10 in the league, it's not too bad. But really, I feel like we could be higher when we should be higher. Uh, six and three is really not a bad record. But those those three are, I guess, four losses now. It, each one of them feels like we really could have avoided it with just a little bit better execution. Uh, and seeing, looking at the teams that are ranked above the Mavs right now, I really think that we've got a better roster, better potential than some of them. So I know it's still early in the season, but I, I think we could definitely bump up the rankings several spots here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I would be I would be shocked if the Jazz keep performing at this level for the rest of the season. I think that they're exceeding expectations, and that's pretty cool, honestly. I mean, Jordan Clarkson, I love him as a starter. We talked about him a little bit earlier in this season. Um, he's playing really well. I think I'll just I'll, I'll I'll make my one Cavs comment that I make every week, which is I was right. Uh, Donovan Mitchell up there in the MVP rankings. He was third in the last one that I saw released by the NBA. Um, Bucks playing really well. But yeah, I think nine is a fitting place for the Mavs. I mean, we're, we aren't playing at our full potential and therefore we don't deserve to be any higher. I, I think that we're right where we should be. Um, and another thing to me to note is number eight Portland Trailblazers who are now eight and three, I think. And um, that's with Damian Lillard just now coming back, which is pretty scary. Yeah, the Blazers look good. Even with McCollum not there anymore, Damian Lillard's still going to be Dame. And I've wanted to see him in a Mavericks jersey for a long time. He'd be <laughs> awesome to play alongside them. That will never happen. But Mm-mm. Blazers do look good. Another few notes around the league. LeBron is day-to-day with an adductor strain after his MRI. And it looks like Nike's relationship with Kyrie is going to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I mean, they can't, they can't afford the controversy. And it, they're a business, so get rid of them. Uh, yeah, so let's, if it's okay with you, let's move okay. on to the upcoming games uh, for the Mavs. We're going to look at these next three, uh, which will be bef- these the next three before our next podcast episode. So that'll be uh, the Wizards, Blazers, and LA Clippers. So, uh, Connor, we'll start with you. What do you think about the Wizards? Looks like Chris Tops is going to be out tonight, and Bradley Beal is out as well, so I like our odds. I think we'll win this game even though it's in Washington. And then we got two more home games after that on Saturday and Tuesday. I think we'll, we'll win tonight, maybe even go 2-1, uh, and one, I think is what we'll do. Maybe We may not beat the Blazers, uh, and I don't really like our odds against the Clippers either, but I think we'll at least win tonight and one of those two and yeah. then after that. Yeah, hopefully so, Griffin. Yeah, definitely. I think that, that tonight's a must-win for the Mavs, especially with no Beal or Porzingis for the Wizards. Uh, we can't count them out, obviously, like last night against the Magic, but um, I think that we definitely should win tonight. Uh, and then Portland is hot right now. We just talked about that a minute ago, uh, but it's it's definitely another winnable game, um, especially with Damian Lillard just coming back from injury. Um and then, yeah, the Clippers, they'll be tough. Paul George uh, has had a, a quiet but really good season so far. 25 points per game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think 
I'm not sure the status of Kawhi Leonard. I think he's kind of struggled coming back from injury. But um, hopefully if the Mavs can kind of limit those two guys, then I think they might have a shot at that one as well. He's played in a couple games. Doesn't look like really recently. His last game was on uh, the 23rd of October against Phoenix in a 112-95 loss. Anyway, regardless of that, Mavericks still got a chance against the Clippers. But, I mean, the Clippers are 7-5 and five right now. PG is going to be PG. Yeah, I mean, I think that all of them are winnable. We keep talking about this. Like, the Mavs can beat any team in the league. We have the skills. We have the players. Um, it really just depends on the way we utilize those and the way we perform. Um, I'm starting to understand a little bit more uh, in terms of Jason Kidd's rotations, why he's playing Dwight Powell uh, over JaVale McGee. The thing that I'm still not getting is why Christian Wood isn't touching the floor more often. I th- This is just off the top of my head, but I think he's getting around 22 points per game-ish, uh, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes right around there. And I don't, I don't get why we won't let him touch the floor more. He's, he's performed pretty poorly in a couple of these last games, but I don't think that we're giving him enough chance to use his skills. And the fact McGee still isn't getting minutes doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. We talked about that really in-depth last week with Powell and McGee, but that also doesn't make any sense to me. Another stat I was going to pull up is Bullock and Hardaway this season. In 10 games, Reggie Bullock has had 4.8 points per game and a shot under 30% from the field. Tim Hardaway in nine games. I know he's coming off of injury, so a little more leniency on him. Had under 11 points per game, 31% from the field. It's just not been good enough, especially from two guys that are huge to the Mavericks. Mm -hmm. Reggie Bullock, we got to trade him, I think, while we can. Get rid of him. (laughs) While he still has some value, I think we need to get something out of him. Whether it's – I don't even know what we could get for him. We talked about maybe putting him in a package for Clarkson, but I don't know. Yeah. and Tim Hardaway, it's going to be hard for him to come back off an injury to get back to the level he was at before. Yeah, I think his is just more time, but Reggie Bullock, I think, is unacceptable. Yeah, I agree with that. I've seen some, uh, I guess you could call them, signs of life from Hardaway Jr. He had a, a game, I'm not sure exactly which one. He's been one. on and off. Right, yeah. yeah. Every once in a while, he'll start to, to start to score a little bit more. But I think, I mean, there's not really, I don't have very much faith in, in Bullock. And I agree that, that it's probably time to get rid of him, especially because we have guys like Vinny Smith and Kleba that play pretty much his exact same role. Uh, I mean, Kleba, on another note, has had a couple of games, maybe just one, but at least one game where he did not take a single shot, <laughs> which I think that's a problem. I think that he needs to be a little bit more involved. Um, especially off that new deal that he got. Definitely, yeah. Um, so I think those guys need to uh, step up a little bit more for the Mavs to succeed. Yep, we need more from the Mavs role players, which, let's face it, everyone except Luke is a role player at this point. And so we just need more production from the team because, like we saw last night, he can't carry everything on his own. And so we need at least a little bit of the support. Only one who's supporting him well right now is Spencer Dinwiddie. Right, and he went off a couple games ago for like 30 points. We knew this probably could have been a problem with JB going to New York which we're not going to talk about that for too long. But, yeah, we just need more out of the role players. It's been the Lucas show really up to this point, and last night was his first under 30-point game this year mm-hmm. against the Magic, and we lost. And so there's got to be some more production. Another stat, 
on Mavs Muse of all places. It says the Mavericks has been one of the five worst teams in restricted area field goals allowed for seven straight years, and they're in the top ten this year. It's just wow. not good enough. It's not good enough on defense. Jay Kidd's got to turn it around. I know it's early, and I even think we, when we were talking about the first ten games, what the record would be. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what exactly I said. I think I said seven you said and three six, or six, six and, and four. four, and I think I said seven and three. Yeah, so we're pretty much right there, right there, and we're right where we need to be. I think we're where where we would deserve to be, but we again we could be ten and zero if we really wanted to. Yep. Yeah, I think what you're saying about the restricted area field goal percentage, I think the root of that is just still a lack of a true rim protector. And I, I think that's what they were going for in signing JaVale McGee this offseason. Which yeah. he's not played. <laughs> exactly. He, I mean, it, but then if if you look at when he is on the floor, we're actually doing worse in terms of uh, opponent field goal percentage in the paint, which does not really make any sense. Maybe he just needs a little more time, a little more rhythm. But that signing has not really done what I think it was intended to do so far this season. Yeah, and the, I mean, the guy who's been actually protecting rim for us is Christian Wood. He's been playing really, really gritty defense. He's making tough shots in the paint. That's the energy that we need right now. And for some reason, he's not getting, he's not seeing as much playing time. So I don't know. I don't know what the recipe for success is, but I think that the Mavs have the ability to turn it around here in these coming few games. Exactly. It's still early in the year. We can overanalyze it all we want. Another Mavericks note, Jaden Hardy went to the G League for a couple games last week, put up 23-6-3 in his first game, and then had 33-5-4 and one steal, one block in 34 minutes. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's been, he went off, and then he was called back to the team. He needs some confidence. He needs some confidence. So I think it's good he's getting play action there. Are there any other Mavericks that you all want to talk about before we end today? I'm good. Yeah. We've hit it pretty well. Yeah, I think we've I feel covered like we it. Have. Griffin, thank you for joining us, and we will see you all next time.